Welcome to Movie the Musical, a podcast about movies that have been turned into musicals. I am your host, Ben Kay. We are here to investigate, interrogate, and celebrate the art of adaptation from screen to stage. We are a podcast that loves questions. And today's question is, all right, so rules. We love rules. I, I like rules. I like, ru- I, like, I like learning the rules of a universe, of, of a thing. Um, so in, this, in the film we're about to talk about today, um, the denizens of this castle have been transformed into objects, various objects, clocks, plates, feather dusters, candelabras, what have you. Um, so what happens to their poop? Let me explain. So... <laughs> They, so obviously they're not human. They have no orifices for uh for bowel movements for the movement of their bowels. Um, so when they become human again, to quote a song from the stage adaptation of the show, um, do they like has all the poop that they were going like? Do they eat? Can these things eat? Do they eat food? Do they have, like, what happens, what has happened to that sensation of, like, digestion and hunger and voiding their bowels? What has happened here? What is going on? I feel like they don't eat. They take on the principles of the objects because they also, <laughs> assumingly, don't shit. But, but, they, I think there but are they two talk. Answers. Yeah, go ahead. There go ahead. Two talk. Answers. So the one answer is the operation of the bowels in the movie is different than the operation of the bowels in the musical because oh, yeah. they're kind oh, of like rules. in between transitioning into sure, objects sure. in the musical. So yes. likely whatever was in their digestive system like 10 or 15 years ago when they were first transformed into objects is still just waiting to be excreted in the movie there you go see that Um, sucks (laughs) yeah someone might just be constantly constipated for 15 years and then suddenly they're human again and they're like oh i'd love to celebrate but first i have to go to the outhouse or the pot i can't remember what they have in whatever (laughs) century this is Um, trench yeah yeah, sometime in the uh yeah sometime in france in the it doesn't like really late give late 1600s, a- early yeah, 1700s sure. is where the story, I think, is set. Yeah, yeah, I think it's around the time of the American Revolution. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's, sure. a, it's a 1756 French fairy tale. Okay, oh, okay. Go. Very precise. Writing that down from my notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe someone, maybe the most constipated servant turned into the privy. Like, ooh, that's the thing, too. Doesn't that job wow. suck? They, I mean, they're all transformed based on their jobs, aren't they? So, like, someone oh, at what's so the cham- chamber, chamber made. Yeah, yeah, so maybe they turned into the chamber pot. That's, uh, miserable that existence Owned. all around. Speaking of miserable existence, <laughs> welcome to the first episode <laughs> of our miniseries on Disney. We, are cov- we have not had a, a themed season yet. This is the first. This is we're doing Disney. We're ta- the mouse is in the house. The, we're in the house of mouse. We're ready to be enraptured by the tentacles of the Disney Corporation. Uh, and we are going in chronological order of the stage adaptations. So, of course, our first episode is on 1991's Beauty and the Beast, the film directed by Gary Tr- Trousdale and Kirk Wise, and its subsequent musical theater adaptation, 1994's Beauty and the Beast, with a book by Linda Wolverton, music by Alan Menken, and lyrics by Howard Ashman and Tim Rice. As always, our wonderful producer and editor, Bran Moorhead, is here. Hello, Bran. 
Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> yes, the most... Ad- bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. F- fitting with this film, the most American bonjour. Uh, bonjour. And joining us today, uh, they've already espoused so much on their theory of the bowels of the Denizens of the Beast's Castle. Uh, a wonderful multidisciplinary theater artist. They act... They act, they direct, they're a fight, they're a fight director, an intimacy director, and they're sometimes a playwright. They do it all. The brilliant Gabby Labaka is here. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Bonjour. Um, I am not good at French accents either. Just really bad French accents. Yeah, here we are. Hello. We did Welcome. it. We made it. So <laughs> so we're doing this, and this is this is gonna be fun. We're going on a literal journey across uh both the just Disney as a film company as a film studio, and Disney as a theatrical producing house. Two parallel journeys, and obviously sort of more linear with the theatrical journey, because obviously we're going to be hopping around with the films, because this this obviously was not chronologically the first film that was adapted, or the, not the first film in chronological order. You know what I'm saying. Um, Maybe. But Gabby, but, but Gabby... <laughs> um, you were you were thrilled to you seemed thrilled to take on this film slash musical in particular, and I'd love to hear why you made this choice. Yes, so Beauty and the Beast, like many of the Golden Age animation films, was really formative to me. I feel like this was one of the first very feminist uh, protagonists that we see from Disney. Like Ariel has a lot of um, qualities that are feminist, but I think that Belle as a very intelligent and like very secure about her own boundaries and secure about who she is and, you know, doesn't take any shit from fucking Gaston. Like, I mean, or from the town that's telling her how to behave, like yeah. very formative yeah. to how I developed as a person. I also happen to see this, um uh the the national tour when it came through chicago in 1997 oh my mom yeah yeah so i saw some pretty phenomenal people in it and didn't realize how phenomenal they were i was just like wow beauty and the beast are in front of me right now um you said 97 that's that must have been like one of the first national tours right yeah yeah, that's fantastic. I think so. Yeah, it was it was really cool and I did not appreciate how I mean I did appreciate how awesome it was, but like on the scope outside of the narrative, I didn't understand how awesome it was at the time. But I do now cuz now I'm a 31-year-old adult instead of a 7-year-old child. So <laughs> I think you know, and I think and, and obviously we'll get into the themes of sort of like these characters and and it's and sort of how they how they exist in in this world. But yeah, I'm going to gonna go out go out on a limb and just like make this known at the very top um so last year actually end of end of 2020 beginning of 2021 uh danielle and i my wife and i uh we watched all the disney renaissance films we watched them all in chronological order um and it was it was interesting obviously to revisit them and see like listen to the music and just like see actually just like you know like because often nostalgia is a is a fickle thing it can really it can truly sort of like mess with your brain and mess with your memory and actually sort of like mess with your uh, critical faculties of how you view uh, certain uh, certain pieces of entertainment. So it was great to go back and revisit them. Uh, and I will say Beauty and the Beast 
I think is the best one. I, I genuinely think yes. it is the best of the Disney, I agree. Disney Renaissance films. It is, and not just the best of the Disney Renaissance films. Like it is a five out of five star movie for me. I think right. it is like really lovely. I think there's a reason it's the first animated movie to be uh, nominated for best picture. Yeah. Yes. Like, yes. Award shows are bullshit, but that is, there's absolutely a reason. And yeah. I mean, the only reason why it lost is because it came out the same year as Silence of the Lambs. Like, yes, I think that's exactly. the only yeah. reason A future why. episode. Yep. <laughs> But yeah. Hell yeah. What? There's a Silence of the Lambs musical? Okay, yeah. that's a tangent, but wow, The world's a terrible exciting. place, Gabby. <laughs> um, yeah. But either yeah. way, yeah, but no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, no, there is a reason that it was nominated for Best Picture. Um, and it all starts with two uh, wonderfully unproblematic people, Michael Eisner and Jeffrey Katzenberg. Uh, so, um, so, yeah, so, so like I sort of alluded to, Beauty and the Beast was not the first film in the Disney Renaissance, um, but I would... So Little Mermaid came out. So obviously we, we kind of touched upon this in our Little Shop of Horrors episode where uh, Howard Ashman, uh, the late great Howard Ashman and Alan Menken wrote Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, great off-Broadway success. Um, eventually Katzenberg, like, uh, I almost said email. And it was like, it was the 80s. Jesus wow. Christ. Uh, um, uh, Katzenberg contacted Ashman and was like, we love Faxed him. Uh, fa- probably a fax, yeah. Uh, hey, we love Little Shop of Horrors. We're working on this Little Mermaid thing. Would you be interested in working on that? And he's like, yes, and I want to bring my buddy Alan Menken along. Um, so Howard Ashman, like, is a huge creative force on Little Mermaid, um, and a little bit on Beauty and the Beast. Uh, he, he This was the time when he was, he, like was really like starting to uh, get sick with AIDS and he died during production of this, of beauty and the beast. Um, so he didn't have as much creative input. Um, I know you should watch the documentary. He's the first producer listed on the credits. So I'm kind of surprised. I I don't know the exact timeline of life. What documentary should I watch? What you're saying? It's it's called Howard. Uh, it's, it's on, Disney Plus, where you'll be able to watch most to all of what we're going to be discussing this season. Yeah. Uh, Disney Plus, they're not paying us. Uh, <laughs> but maybe they should. Well, well. well. No, no, because then it controls what you say. Never mind. Exactly. Just Don't Here's free I, advertisement. I won't <laughs> take the mouse's money. Um, but either way, so yeah, so Howard Ashman, huge creative voice in Little Mermaid. Um, and that movie uh, rips too. I think I think it was great too. Um, yeah, I think you're yeah. Obviously, yeah. Like, yeah. There's there's obviously some criticism to be had there of Ariel as a character, what have you. I think it's still great. I think those songs are very fun. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. when we're introduced to Ariel, she's introduced as an anthropologist, not as someone yeah. who's looking for love. Like that's the thing is that it's like, true. she has her own passions, and it so happened that her passion collided with a very hot prince. Like. That's what happened. You're not wrong. Um, So yeah, so Little Mermaid, uh, freaking great. Uh, People love it. Um, They then Disney actually then follows it up technically with the Rescue is Down Under. Uh, People sometimes forget that. Yeah, very fun, Mm -hmm. very pretty movie. Uh, I'm a fan. Uh, But yeah, so what was happening at this time? Uh, So they apparently wanted to make a Beauty and the Beast movie for. A while, because yeah, like we said, it it was a 1700s French fairy tale. Um, it was made into a wonderful 1946 live action film directed by Jean Cocteau. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's really gorgeous, and it's it's actually one of the larger influences on this version of Beauty and the Beast. Like a lot of the stuff, like 
because like the beast's design wasn't like it's been changed over the years because it's a fairy tale that's what happens like sometimes he's more of like a deer sometimes he's more of like a warthog the cocteau film is where it sort of solidifies the feline nature of him that sort of like what sort of would become the anime the design in the animation that's really solidified um the sort of the existence of like household objects that come to life also really exists in this cocktail version and that version also oh, had whoa. yeah yeah this design is interesting right yeah i mean he, he looks more like cool. a cat in the sean cocktail version for sure um but it's very cool it's it's lovely it, it was also like it came out in France, like, right after World War II ended. So mm. it was this sort of, like, big triumphant return to the cinema, this return to, like, seeing a fairy tale on the big screen for French audiences. And so, like, it was... And it's, it's a great movie. I would highly recommend checking it out. Um, they wanted uh, Richard Williams to direct it uh, for Disney. So Richard Williams, uh, huge animation director. He did the animation for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, which was a huge success for Disney. And so they were like, would you want to do this? And he's like, I'm busy. Here's my friend, Richard Purdom. He can direct it for you. Um, and it wasn't going to be a musical. It was just going to be like a straight non-singing fairy tale. Um, <laughs> again, can you imagine? I know. I know. It, it seems unfathomable. Oh, no. yes. But again, like they had one like musical success, with Little Mermaid, but yeah, it didn't, it just, they didn't really tap into that was going to be the key to their success yet. Oh. So, but they like, were starting to write it and Linda Wolverton was still the screenwriter on this. Um, she writes the film and then she also writes the stage version. Um, and Eisner and Katzenberg are just like, this thing is boring. No, thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's, I know it just, it isn't working out. And so obviously they're like, Howard Ashman, you pretty much saved our studio with Little Mermaid. Do you think you all can come and help uh, with Beauty and the Beast? And yeah, he was, at this time, he's still, like, really secretive about his AIDS diagnosis. Uh, and sort of, like... It, he was worried like, Disney would fire him. Yeah, yeah. He, it, yes, yeah. Which is a terrible thing. Uh, it's really fucking... Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, so they do it, they bring on these new directors, Gary Trousdale and Kirk Wise. Um, and they, Trousdale and Wise would also go on to do uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, which we will wow. talk about later this season. Excellent. And they also directed uh, Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Oh, I love that movie so much! <laughs> I like that movie too! <laughs> it's, it's so enjoyable! It's wild! It's a weird one! <laughs> weird action Disney movies are, are I kind of love them. Though. Like, like so that, that and Treasure Planet, yeah. Yep. Oh, some... There you go. Uh, also, the lead animator for The Beast, Glenn, I can't remember his last name. Glenn Keane. Glenn Keane, yeah. yeah. He did yes. both The Beast and he did Long John Silver for Treasure Planet. Correct. So, wow, yeah. Glenn oh, Keane is Aladdin. Glenn Keane did is, Ariel yeah. before this. He's absolutely marvelous. He just directed that Netflix movie, Over the Moon. Uh, which just came out. That was his directorial debut. Um, but yes, uh, and we'll, we'll get into the beast in a second because I have a lot of thoughts on that dude. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so they get this thing. They get this thing together. It's a musical. It's wonderful. It's magical. It comes out uh, a hit. Uh, 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 just everyone loves it. Critical hits. Uh, Frank Rich of the New York Times, I believe, called it the best Broadway score of 1991. Yeah. Wow, uh, wow, it was wow. Just, and because I think musical theater actually was kind of in a weird dipping point. You know, this was like 
post like the height of Sondheim pre-Disney on Broadway, right? So it was yeah. like, it's kind of a weird creative point for Broadway entirely. Like 1991, what, like the Tony Award winner was like the Will Rogers Follies, a musical <laughs> that like doesn't exist. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, so I think he's just like, uh, yeah, this this thing rips. It's like, everything's great. Um, it's a good, it's a good show. Um, it's a good movie, rather. Um, so what happens in this movie? Well, like all well, like all great movies, it starts with uh, the greatest piece of music ever written. Uh, wait, wait, but it starts with the prologue before it even starts with the greatest music well, ever written. Well, well, it has that underscoring the da 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 who is going to come up a lot over these next few episodes. Just try up. I think he's, it's, it's weird to call him underrated because again, he has like a million Oscars and like wrote a bunch but of I Disney movies. I kind of agree with you. Right? Yeah, like, especially for just like the underscoring, like of yes. course the songs with Howard Ashman's lyrics are so good, but his underscoring, especially in this movie yeah. is phenomenal. The themes yeah. are so purposeful yes. and they're so evocative and oh, I love it. And I love how they, I know we're not talking about the musical now, but I love sure. how they expand upon it when they translate it to the yeah, show. Well, no, so yeah, too. right, that's the thing. Like, obviously, they wrote, like, new songs for the show, but it's like, yeah, it's kind of funny. It's like, well, if you really listen, the music, like, the melodies mm-hmm. for those are just, like, the underscoring from the film, which, yeah. like, I get, like, because he is yeah. a talented composer. Makes sense. Um, but, yes, the film does open with a prologue uh, with this beautiful stained glass imagery telling the story of this prince. Um, Looks great in 4K. <laughs> I, I know, <laughs> Back to fucking praising Disney. Unlike Dis- Cinderella on our Patreon, this looks excellent I know, on Disney+. Plus. I know. It looks like it was animated yesterday. Um, yes. Beautiful. Really um, and now here's a question that I want to throw out to the group. How old is the Beast? Oh, when he is first 20. transformed? Yeah. 20? Uh, well, he... uh, during the events of the movie, he's 20 years old. Right, but okay. this, it's his this 21st thing... birthday is I... when the rose falls. That's right. I agree that during the course of events of the film, yes, he is 20 going on 21. But I okay. think when he's initially transformed, I think he's 15 years old. 15? Yeah, or younger, I mm-hmm. thought even. Like Wait, 13, so... he's a little shithead. Yeah. So here... Okay, so here's the question. How old is Chip? Well, I, weird. I don't know. Chip so, is perpetually three. Oh, so, okay. So this is okay. No, no, no. So this know. is what we're saying. So this is what I'm saying. Are uh, is are the characters aging when they're transformed? This is I important. No, it's like the beast does because he's organic, maybe. Oh, because he's like cool. a living being, and then they don't because they're furniture. Hey, I don't know. interesting. I like this interesting. answer, especially okay. because Chip specifically turns into porcelain right like he's not yes. turning into like <laughs> yeah. he's not turning yes. into wood which could be argued as an organic material he's turning into glass like, that's sure. that ages. <laughs> yes no this is fair um and like again like i don't need like all of these to actually be answers i just think it's no, funny to think fun. it's funny to extrapolate they're on. good yes. questions yes. Wait, here's the bigger like? question who painted that portrait in the west uh, wing. Oh, that yeah. adult man portrait of him. Okay, maybe he wasn't 15 then. That <laughs> or, is... or is it like a uh, picture of Dorian Gray thing oh, where shit. his uh, his, the, his his painting ages, but he's just a beast. Oh, a wow. Lot. How 
torturous. A lot more questions coming I mean, up. I would rip that up if that was happening to me, if I was seeing my hot self age <laughs> as a hot human, and then me, myself, being this monstrous canine type thing. Yes, I'd be angry at that not enough, too. Not enough portraits of Dorian Gray in the world, if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'd say. Um, but then you are right, Gabby. Yeah, so after this prologue, we do get... Yeah, again, what, like, the greatest opening number of all time? Just, like, Belle! It's just, it's more, it just... It does what a good... I mean, again, this is an opening a number coming from the folks who wrote Skid Row. So, like, mm-hmm. you, like yes. it's, again, no surprise. It's not really a shocker. But it's, like, it sets the scene. It sets the motivations of the characters. It gives us the I want for Belle. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, it is just... It does everything you need an opening number to do. It's marvelous. And also, like, just animation-wise, visually watching this, oh, yeah. you, it's Whoa. so beautiful, but also you meet every single ensemble member that is going to come back again. Yes. Like, sure. this last watch, I very specifically noticed the cheesemonger cutting up cheese, <laughs> who then sings, sure. he'll, he'll come at you in the night, and I'm like, yeah. I never noticed this the same <laughs> dude before, because he's so far in the back, but, like, that sort of detail, like, that's what earns you an Academy Award nomination <laughs> for an animated film. Like, that's amazing. I will say, <laughs> But one of my favorite details, and it's a, it is a blink and you'll miss it moment. It's, uh, it's I need six eggs. That's too expensive. And then when she's singing, there must be more to this provincial life. She's like riding on the back of a carriage. If you look very carefully, there are two young men in the background, and they are watching a tortoise. <laughs> there's just a tortoise on the. There's a tortoise. There's a tortoise on the ground, and they're just like, huh. That's a tortoise. And it's like, what are they up to? No what are wonder they why Belle's so bored. I also would want more than that provincial life of tortoises <laughs> were the main entertainment besides you frequenting the bookstore. It's the also like, one. it is like, and again, like, it is wonderful that she is like this character who isn't searching for love, but comes upon it mm. through this whole escapade with the beast. Yeah. But it like, it's wild that like the motivating factor of this town is like, this woman reads. What a weirdo! <laughs> what a weirdo! Thinking it's a dangerous pastime. I know. Leads her to think, what, what will happen next? It's um, also that small town thing where it's like, what a weird family. Because it's like her dad didn't do her any favors by being like the crackpot, you know? <laughs> Crazy like, old Maurice! Crazy old Maurice! But like, I want to celebrate them as well. Like, of they, course. both of them are so passionate about their individual things. And in the movie, they really don't care at all what anybody else has to say about their own passions but they support each other's passions like unconditionally and it's just so lovely to see that parental relationship as opposed to a conflicted one like we saw with the little mermaid just before you know yeah oh yeah that's a good point it's true, yeah, and there's, like, the the father who, like, yeah, yeah, like like you just said, yeah, in the previous film, Triton is like, I won't have you chasing after your dreams, Ariel, ka-chow, ka-chow, but Maurice is a very nice and supportive, and she's, and he's like, you're not odd, you're, you're great, you're, you, you fucking read books, that's cool, uh, and he's an inventor making some self-automating log-chopping machine, go you, and he's off to the, what, the inventor's fair, or whatever the fuck, <laughs> 
<laughs> and then, of course, you have uh, Gaston uh, and his uh, tr- introduced by killing a bird <laughs> yep. with a gun. Again, I, love, I, I read down. I was like, this is like peak. This and Pocahontas are like peak Disney characters with guns. <laughs> yes, <laughs> era. Yeah, yeah. And he's yeah, he's just an outright buffoon. Uh, and his uh, sidekick <laughs> Le Fou, uh, which I believe is French for the fool. The fool. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> just again, just, again. They're not subtle films. Uh, which yeah. is okay um, And he again, He's just like So fixated on Belle It's like And there are, there's that Like trio of women In like the color coordinated Or trying to jump his bones The yeah. whole time He just has no time uh, Again maybe it's that It's a status thing Yeah it's gotta be um, But either way uh, Maurice is like Trying to get to the, the Inventors Fair He's lost He's chased by wolves And he happens upon The castle the abandoned castle, also, or so we think. Um, he's greeted, of course, by uh, our favorite clock and candle duo, uh, Candelabra. Uh, Lumiere, the Candelabra, voiced by Jerry, the late Jerry Orbach. And great, very great. He's very great. Exceptional performance. <laughs> wow. Yeah, truly. Can I... Uh, First mention Lumiere's bisexual agenda because I think that this is the first time it shows <laughs> I, up. I, I, in- I guess you. I I, <laughs> I, 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 I guess I guess you have to go ahead. <laughs> okay, so uh, first of all, Lumiere's definitely a chaotic bi. Like, there's no question about it. And uh, the first thing he does is he's trying to get the whole thing about this this myth, right? This like if you if it's about being loved, like showing love and being loved. And that can mean so many things. It just tends to manifest in the happy ending as romantic love, but it could also be platonic love. But it, I mean, but maybe, maybe Lumiere is like, well, we'll try it, dude. What if, what if he falls in love with this old man as well as platonically? I don't know. We can solve it. And I also, I know we're skipping ahead to, I'm skipping ahead to be our guest, but Lumiere is the First person to lean into the bisexual lighting phenomenon in VR guest. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay. You know Not what? <laughs> go, go, go. Go, no, I no, I'm no, suppo- no, I'm just I accept this thesis. I'm just supporting uh this 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 take. I'm I'm all about it. Uh, yeah, it's it's great. This and also the decor throughout the castle, which we know Lumiere had some sort of hand in because he's all about entertaining people. But like Mrs. Potts like little decorations, all of the little cups and plates, they're the bisexual flag colors, baby. Purple, pink, and blue. <laughs> and I, well, well, well. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I will say, so, and yeah, so, of course, Mrs. Potts, voiced by the wonderful Angela Lansbury. Oh my my goodness. goodness. So, and and again, this was... Height of her power, Angela Lansbury. Oh, so yeah. This, she's been on Murder, She Wrote for like six years already, and it's got another six years after this. Bananas. Like so, 12 I, years. So I will say, uh, Howard wow. Ashman, I, I think I, kind, I did misspeak a little bit. Um, he was further along in his sickness, unfortunately, and he was he did sort of negotiate with Katzenberg. He's like, I cannot fly to L.A. to make this movie. Like, it's not going to, like, mm. and like, if the only way I can work on this movie is if all of the song stuff and all the voice stuff can be done in New York. So that's why you have a lot of theater actors or Broadway actors oh, wow. in this in this movie. That's like Jerry Orbach and Angela Lansbury. Um, it's like because it was a lo- it was very New York based. So mm-hmm. um, 
that's that's kind of the explanation behind it. Um, and they're all great. And it's uh, it's a good time. Um, yes. The Beast comes in and, yeah, sort of, uh, Gabby, as you alluded to before, he's uh, animated by Glenn Keane. Uh, another hot take coming from me. I don't think it's too hot. I think it's pretty fine. Uh, the, oh. the best animated character in the Disney canon. He is oh, just beast. Yes. Yeah, beast. Yeah, Absolutely. He, He's so expressive. Yes. It's crazy how expressive his face is. Like, yeah. And not only his face, but even his hair. Like the way yeah. that his hair yes. like stands on end. And the way that he walks when he's leaning mm-hmm, into his beastness mm-hmm. and the way that he walks when he's trying to be human. Like all of that like is the so set of his shoulders and yeah. his neck and everything. I, I think oh. he he's not Amazing. only he's not only angry, like he also gets across the petulant teenage energy yes. that's yes. probably resting in him. Um it's there's that moment and it's like a beautiful piece of animation that for our listeners I'm acting out i'm hoping to act out as perfectly as i can where he's like got his hands and he's like if she doesn't want to eat then she won't and she's like moving his hands like that um it's just so like uh, there's just so much character in his physicality and yeah he's kind of like a buffalo cat bear thing wolf more than cat i don't know i see a lot more like canine Features, especially when That's he starts fair. fighting the bottom wolf teeth. Yeah. yeah. So but his, le- his like legs, his back legs look look dog like. Yeah, sure. that's true. Uh, but I think yeah, I think like lion, lion buffalo, <laughs> lion yeah. buffalo, buffalo lion, buffalo lion, buffalo lion. Uh, buffalo lion. Mm-hmm. uh but yeah, like he's that. but he's great. Uh, I mean, he's a great design. Uh, gr- yes. uh, but yeah, he kidnapped. He's like, I won't have anyone in my castle. Uh, and he kidnaps uh Maurice. Luckily, uh, Philippe the horse parades back to town. <laughs> Uh, and good name for a horse. <laughs> Great Philippe. name for a horse, Philippe. <laughs> it uh, sounds like the sound of galloping, Philippe, Philippe, Philippe. Hey, <laughs> look at that! I like look that. At that happening. I love that. Uh, but yeah, so Bell, Bell is aware of what's happened. Of that, still, clearly something has happened. Um, she's able to get to the castle and she makes the trade. She's like, if I, if you take me, will you let my father go? And the beast is like, yeah, I guess. Tragic, I know. It's tragic, but also, like, this is the first moment where Belle is able to show Beast how to love. Like, that's not yeah. her aim, but, like, her self-sacrificial nature and him witnessing that not only softens him to agree, but also teaches him how to behave later when he does scare her away and when yeah. he does end up fighting off the wolves. Like, this idea of, like, putting other people first is something that that 15-year-old brat never learned and is certainly yeah. still not learning as a beast on his own, but he's starting to witness that now. And I like, especially just the way it's shaped and paced out in the film, it really highlights that fact. Um, it, it is kind of brilliant. And like, I did like remark on this uh, the other day when I watched this, just like, it, I feel like this movie moves so yes. well. Like that's that, what I was gonna say. Yeah, whenever, yeah. whenever he gets to the door of the ca- the, uh, the dad Maurice like makes it to the castle. It's eleven minutes, like almost yeah. on the dot. Yeah, unbelievable. And we've already had a music number. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like and, the, and so yeah, like as soon like right after Maurice is let go and Belle is like kidnapped, then we get Gaston. Like it just ha- like it just yeah, it moves. And we also get the really cool spider carriage that's 
one of the uh, coolest guys sure, yeah. in the movie. And the coat rack, him and the coat rack, underrated appliances yeah. of this castle. Yeah. Coat rack rocks. It is always wild that where like obviously you have characters like Lumiere and Cogsworth. Cogsworth, uh, voiced by the the late great David Ogden Steers, just oh. a a, cl- a veteran mm. of the Disney so uh, voice cast, uh, just like bench he's wonderful um but either way uh you have those characters who like are cl- oh, like they have faces and clear traits and then you just have like a plate that moves <laughs> <laughs> a coat rack and it's like that plays the violin later yeah it's like it's just stuff it's just it's funny like the differentiation between the two um I mean, gas- yeah yeah uh, this is another question i have about rules though because there are just so many plates a lot of plates Were they yes. all people or is a part of this enchantment that the actual things also get more human like qualities I in think, order to balance it out i think it's the latter i think you're right i think it's the second thing um but also like at the end of the day it's a fucking like lovely animated film yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't have what to dwell on this shit dance sequence of dancing plates and spinning plates you're right you're I, right i'm I thinking say, too hard no you're good <laughs> um and i will say so i really like gaston just like oh. the song i think it also oh, yeah. it has my favorite lyric in the entire film which is i use antlers in all of my decorating i i also expectorating mean, also yes so much good they also vocabulary. Persecute harmless crackpots like Gaston uh, in the little reprise. <laughs> I don't think I'd ever noticed that before this viewing. So it's great. Good. But like the song content itself is also like this is this song is toxic masculinity. And we're yeah. like learning about tax- toxic masculinity so much through this. Like the way that he's dealing with the shame of rejection. He's like, I'm gonna start several bar fights. I'm gonna get drunk. I'm gonna beat up people and then I'm gonna kidnap her dad and force yeah. her to marry me because I cannot be rejected. Like it is all just toxic masculinity through and, and through. It, it truly is. And what I sort of what I love from a from a sort of a structural perspective is because you know like villain songs can like sometimes have you know, something like Be Prepared in the Lion King or Poor Unfortunate Souls, which are both bangers of songs, but like they sound like a villain is singing them. What's right. great about Gaston is it sounds like a song Gaston would sing about himself in the show about himself. It sounds yeah. like a triumphant number that he would love to sing. Like obviously there are the toxic masculine elements to it, but again, it is just like to him just from an actual, like, compositional standpoint, it is a glorious song that he loves. Yeah. So there's, there's that oomph to it. Yeah, I think just watching it last night, again, in preparation of this, just, like, it showed so much the dangers of, of celebrating this sort of thinking, too. Because, like, the whole yeah. tone is in on this. They the get sucked into it. Dude. Yeah, they're just there. And they're like, whatever he does is right because he is the most man that ever manned in this town. And he, <laughs> he's the most beautiful of the men who ever manned in this town. Yeah, He has arms that are the size of a barge. <laughs> <laughs> he is roughly the size oh, sorry. of a barge. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> he is, yes. And he, how, I'm Biceps to spare. Yes, and every last inch of him's covered in hair. Like I identify with that. (laughs) Uh, Ditto, ditto. Uh, I don't eat what six dozen eggs. However many dozen eggs. That's too many eggs. It's just too many. It's really too many eggs. Oh man, what is this guy? Fucking yeah. No cholesterol levels are through the roof. Ridiculous. 
long if he didn't spoiler alert die at the end of this movie but his oh, heart definitely. attack would get him yeah. he's Gosh. dead as hell it is also what it's you know it's a long a long line of like villain deaths in these films where like you're you know obviously like they don't want to like implicate the hero in killing the villain yeah so, so they always just fall backwards off the thing yeah it's like they just like accidental they, they trip whoa, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, um, but that's nearly as gruesome as that dude in Tarzan. That oh, death Clayton. I, ooh, oh, ooh, that death, my God. Ooh. Another future episode. Uh, yeah, we'll my gosh. Uh, we'll, we'll get there. Um, but then <laughs> we, we, we get back to the castle. Um, yeah, the beast is just like doing his like animal pacing around. He's so Gorgeous. anxious. He's like an anxious little monster. Like, he, like, that's what, like, he's obviously, like, he's just got such... And it's just like sad, angry energy. It's like, I, like mm-hmm. it's he's. I don't know. It's just it's so. And again, just like it's beautifully just like displayed in just how he moves. Yeah, and I feel like so watching this again, I was trying to listen really, really hard to just the script. Like, what are these characters actually saying? Yeah, and a, a lot of Beast's language is about the insecurity of how he looks. Um, and he even imposes that on Belle in a way. He, like, says that she could never, like, look at Simi as anything but a beast. But the only thing yeah. that Belle comments on is his behavior. She yeah. never talks about anything about his appearance. And so he's really self-conscious. And I think that... It's that just that one time that. when she first looks at him, she, like, cowers backwards. Yeah. And I was, like, really watching for that moment, too, because I was thinking about that this time and, like, doing a reading of it of, like body image and body, you know, like how, how we view ourselves. Yeah. And yeah, other than that, she doesn't, she's just like, why are you so cruel? Why are you like this? Why didn't you let me say goodbye? You know, she never comments on it. That is very interesting. Clever movie. Small movie. movie. Great economy of storytelling and characters. The title too is so open in a lot of ways. Like a lot of times we just attribute beauty is Belle. Beast is the beast. But honestly, it's like the beast and his wrestling with the idea of beauty, right? And also this beautiful man Gaston actually being a beast. Like the title is so brilliant. I love it so much. I mean, like like she says later in the film, uh, he's not a monster Gaston. You are <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Um, but then, yeah, we get um, be our guest. Um, just one, one of yes. yeah, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Turns out, whenever I was like, uh, I don't know, five, and I saw this in the movie theater, and was like, it's probably the best song ever written. <laughs> Might have been right. <laughs> Might have been correct then. It's it's Could pretty. Still be. It's pretty good. It's yeah, like it's pretty good. It's an absolute like it is the number right I oh, choreography. the choreography <laughs> yeah in my notes i just held Gabby's... up to the camera it says the choreography that scene alone yeah, yeah. Red, bold red, print go. circled underlined <laughs> no it's it's completely fair there's they just, don't it's... have legs and their choreography is incredible exceptional i love that it yeah. just as it goes on it devolves into like complete surreal like psychedelic like it's starts and they're like on the table and there's like a little bit going on and by the end you're just like in a blue background with no walls yeah millions of plates and cups Bouncing. dancing yeah the orchestra i really noticed this time like the orchestrations like add something on the beat of like the yes. every like clinking glass there's yeah. like rolling plates and then clinking glasses get like a little glockenspiel or something added it, it is a, it is a amazing ridiculous kitchen appliance 
Busby Berkeley number in the best yeah. way possible. And it, also, it even has synchronized swimming. It they really do. does. Well, it's, it's, oh, and we'll obviously, we'll talk about Little Mermaid when we get to it, but it's interesting. So, yeah, this was the first, I mean, Rescuers Down Under came in between, but this was the first musical film that they made after Little Mermaid. And Little Mermaid was like pretty much all like hand drawn. It was all like cell animation. Yeah. And then this is the, the one of their first movies, which was, it had a, like a computer a hybrid of both. yeah it was like a computer component where they were able to like scan in the images and add stuff into it so like if you like some of those plates and forks are digital like they're like mm-hmm. very oh. low-key computer generated um i know like, it's no it's it's simple enough that it's able to blend in and you barely even notice i think that's yeah the only of, one that really i think glares out now is the ballroom which they right. used to like ta- yeah, i mean oh, it was on sure. like every behind the scenes documentary or any they always talked about wow this this these these hand drawn animated or hand animated characters in this digitally animated ballroom with the sweeping camera and i think that's that's what i kind of wish would have happened with computer animation where like it was able to blend with hand drawn in that kind of creative way you see that a lot in the aforementioned treasure planets where Mm -hmm. like yeah like a lot of like the like obviously like the the spaceships and like the actual space itself is arm yeah, yeah, like I, yeah. I think that hybrid can be really cool, and yeah, like the ballroom scene is—I mean, that that camera swoop is iconic. Yeah, the right. camera movement's cool. I think that the background looks a little screensavery to <laughs> sure. borrow a uh, term, but no, yeah. but no, and also I'd like to say, like, if you go what when when we Brian and I when we go back and watch Under the Sea, like you'll notice that like there's a little like because it's all hand drawn animated, and obviously they only had so much of a budget, like there's a little bit of like quote unquote cheating where like they'll reuse some clips and like there's only so many fish they're able to animate and so many creatures they're able to animate. And here it's just fucking bug nuts. Just like the number of forks and plates and shit. Um, And it's, uh, it's great. Uh, it's good. (laughs) I like Mm -hmm. it. Um, Jerry uh, Orbach, once again, excellent it's, performance. It's so real. It's yeah, it's wild that Jerry Orbach, um, a not French actor, is doing <laughs> the only is doing the only French accent in this film. Like that, like you don't like. I appreciate his commitment to the verisimilitude of this thing. You didn't have to, my dude. Wow, 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 wow. Yes, he is the only one who speaks with a French accent, isn't he? Why I mean, his name is. He did have to. His, I know. Well, is yeah, the character's name is. <laughs> a lumiere uh so there you yeah. go um but and also uh he really wants to fuck that feather duster oh he yeah is. they have fucked they have so been much fucking. like they figured out how to fuck his objects they like they figured it out they figured it out how how gabby how you know friction is a magical thing this is where my intimacy <laughs> I, was, I was just <laughs> about to say I was, I was literally about to say that i was like you're you're an intimacy direct intimacy director like this is your bread and butter like how the fuck how okay wow well you know um i i don't 100 percent know but they obviously experience sensation so sure i imagine yes. that in this state that a lot of them are very touch starved. And as they are, you know, in the servant who's not serving, they talk about getting rusty and getting stiff, right? Like, and so there's like not stiff in a sexual way. I'm just talking about like just like <laughs> not, not being used. And so, although I don't know if they can orgasm per se, they certainly can make contact with each other. And the texture between the candelabra and the feather duster is a really interesting dynamic, just texturally, because we have something 
light and soft and flirtatious. <laughs> and we have something that is hot and passionate and can be painful. Um, and if they're not careful, which is like, okay, stakes to their lovemaking, then one mm-hmm. can light the other on fire and kill them. So like, that's, I mean, I, some people like edge play, I suppose. And that's part of their edge, I Me. guess. That they can I, I hope that Lumiere doesn't <laughs> set the feather duster on fire during their orgasmic sex. That would suck. Uh, they're non-orgasmic orgasmic sex. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they orgasm, but I, I'm sure they enjoy touching each other. And that's, that's what we're seeing here. I am a thousand percent <laughs> positive that if you Google Lumiere sex, I that plenty of oh, research will come out. I, I, I am not... <laughs> Lumiere, feather duster, fucking yeah, plenty will come. Play too, because he's literally a dancer. There's something there too. Listen, listen. He's gonna make that joke earlier. Listen, Lumiere, Lumiere. Good job. No, no, good. Lumiere, you went for it. Lumiere, his world's on fire. How about yours? Uh, (laughs) But that in the stage musical version leans into that in the script. She says, I've been banned by you before. Oh, no, she does say that in here, too. She also does speak with a French accent. She's the other one who speaks with a French accent. Listen, listen, Lumi, if, yeah, I I forget what the name of that uh, fan fiction website is. I bet if you searched on there, there'd be so much slash fiction with Lumiere and the Feather Dust. Like, no question. Um, But either way, way uh bell finds her way to the west wing even though the west wing is forbidden uh but he <laughs> she she gets her way there and there's the the scratched painting of human beast um whose name i don't believe we ever find out which is not in the so, movie but he has a name yes, right his name is adam, adam. so, so Great. this is this is the one question that i have in the adaptation that i'm like why wasn't this a question that you tried to answer because and we love questions we, we love, love questions, questions. <laughs> because bell is so emotionally intelligent so socially intelligent so actually intelligent that i find it very hard to believe that at some point she didn't ask his name. Sure. Um, and yeah. Like, what a scene she that just would, calls him Beast. Well, what if that's? But that, what a beautiful scene that might have been for him to be like, I don't deserve a name, or it makes me uncomfortable Aww. for people to call me my name because of this. Because in this movie too, like when Belle's refusing to go to dinner, she she exemplifies how important it is to maintain your boundaries. Like to some extent, especially to Cogsworth extent, it seems like she's being resistant for no reason or she's being rude for no reason, but really she is respecting her own boundaries and, and taking care of herself in that way. And so I'd be curious to see her do that with beast and his name, even though she kind of does that with a porridge scene later. So yeah. anyway. And there's, um, and there's that scene they added in the stage show where she's reading King Arthur to him, oh, and he's like, I oh, I never realized that books could make me feel this way. And I'm uh, like, yeah, yeah, books are fucking great, my dude. Uh, <laughs> but either way, so, but then Belle is driven out of the castle because she finds the rose, and yeah, obviously we know the rose wants the last if the beast doesn't find true love before the last petal falls, he'll be a beast forever. Um, so he is really, again, very self-conscious, very anxious, drives her out of the castle. Uh, she rides away, mm. is attacked by wolves, but then the beast is able to save her from the wolves and he's like harmed in the, in the process. Um, but it's great. She, he saves her. And now there's like a real human connection between well, the two. Especially because not only did he, try self-sacrifice for the first time in that moment but also bell had the opportunity to escape and she decided to take care of him instead 
and yeah. and that kindness was was so incredible and also just speaks to Belle's character of like not putting herself first in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's again a smart film. Uh, but then, <laughs> meanwhile, back in the town, uh, Gaston is a, a, a terrible plan afoot. You see, he is going to he's he's bribing uh, Monsieur Dark, the warden of the <laughs> lunatic asylum, voiced by voiced by Tony J, who's gonna come back as Frollo in Hunchback. Uh, that's who that voice actor is. Wow. Um, I know they really they really like to use the same folks, which is great. Uh, keep you keep you ensemble employed, I suppose. Um, but yeah. Um, but then you get a you get a little sweet song, which is it's a weird one because it's. It's like the, it's Belle, it's something there, which is like Be Beast and Belle, like singing, like, oh, there's something there that there was never there before. But they're not actually singing it, right? It's like it's a voiceover. It's like, it's yes. like you're hearing their inner thoughts, which is a really interesting choice, right? Because like every other song is in, is in the diegesis of the, of the yes. show. Um, and this one, it's just like, it's... It's 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 a voiceover. It's strange. It's a it's a choice, and I guess it works. I don't know. I don't question it. I think it works. I mean, it's that private. It's it's one of those moments where this film leans into the fact that it's a film and not a stage musical, sure. where you can like, yes. where you can highlight their internal monologue and their actual feelings while keeping them secret from the other characters. So yeah, that works no, for I'd, me. And then it leads right into. Also, he's cute when he's feeding the birds. So he's cute. He's he's a cute. Well, and and as we remember, so this song during this song is technically when the movie Bell's Enchanted Christmas yes. takes place. That's right. That's it takes so place right. during, during this, this musical montage. number. <laughs> Amazing. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, but then yeah, then it leads into the song. Beauty and the Beast. Um, gr great. If if you're gonna get anyone to sing the song, you better well get Angela Lansbury, and, and she sure is just. Is. Oh, she's so, this. This is the song that won them the Academy Award for Best Song. Mm -hmm. So um, they had three songs in that category. They so sure did. They had Be Our Guest wow. and they had Bell. Yeah. Um, wild, and it was also nominated. I will say so. Well, just since we're here already, Alan Menken also did win Best Original Score Ugh. for this movie. Uh, wow. And it was also nominated for Best Sound. And as we alluded to before, it was nominated for uh, Best Picture. Just Best Picture, because the animated film uh, wasn't a category until 2001. So, wow. it, yeah. Well, Gabby, Gabby, you know what won the first ever Oscar <laughs> for Best Animated Film. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait. Some Shrek. It was Shrek. It was Shrek. It was Shrek. I think it, I've hit my bingo already. Like, there's a movie that needs seriously. a bingo for me of, like, does Ben say bananas? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what Shrek else? Shrek mentioned. Um, and then the next one that I haven't hit yet is you saying nothing, Burger. And I don't think we're going to get that in this, in this episode. I don't think so. There, there's not many so nothing good. burgers associated with this well, property. Yeah. Right. 
There is what one. Is the we'll, we'll get to it. The, okay. the noth- well, we'll get to it in a second. Is it in the uh, musical? Because I it's in the musical. It's in the musical. It's in the musical. Yeah. Okay. Musical. Cool. I'm excited um, for this bingo. <laughs> the, no- the nothing burger is a person. We'll get to it in a second. Oh, uh, shit. Okay. Um, but either way, Beauty and the Beast, uh, great song. We get that. Uh, uh, Brett, as Brent said, kind of dated uh, CG ballroom that they're dancing in. I still like again, still an iconic. What's that piano doing over there? <laughs> something that really stood out to me this time is that like the Mrs. Potts and Lumiere and Cogsworth are just chilling on a piano that's in the corner. Nobody's playing it even oh though my God. like you could have made the piano Anna? play it. It does not. I mean oh. if, if it does we don't see it but it's huh. just a, the only object in this cavernous room. Yeah why is it strange. also why isn't the piano alive? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Well because Taylor as old as Todd right? like the lid is just singing the song. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be well, good. I was thinking about like Tim Curry's soon. character in the in the Christmas movie, right? Bell's Enchanted Christmas. Wouldn't he be playing? Wouldn't he be controlling the other piano? Like no, because that's before this. So he's been. Yeah, he's the, that de- whole yeah. plot happened. Oh, right, he's, he's dead. dead. Now. Yeah, oh. he's dead. What's his name? For, I think his name Forte. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. And his his sidekick oh, Fife. <laughs> it's really yeah, not original. Is, yeah. His, <laughs> The five voiced by Paul Rubens. Wow, wild. <laughs> wow, I did not know that. Pee Wee Herman right. himself, and there's a, a, a Angel Ornament voiced by Bernadette Peters. Back yes. to this yes, movie. Um, okay, sorry. <laughs> no, I also. Oh, and of course, uh, we've already seen uh, he has shown her the library, his vast collection of books. Gorgeous. Would this love is beautiful how you shot. flirt. This well, is it. I would love that for my Blu-rays. I would. <laughs> <laughs> would be great for my physical media collection. Can you hear that, Danielle? I do Here's love your anniversary that... present. <laughs> yes, exactly. You do love, you I do love, love how that shot, um, as opposed to the CGI ballroom during the uh, title song, like a lot of the backgrounds are like, really awesome oil paintings that are like Mm -hmm. clearly huge like matte paintings that then are composited with the cell animation and i think i love that look i wish they would i would i would love to see that again yeah Yeah. it's so then screensavers i know we don't well there there aren't a lot of mainstream hands-drawn animation these days and that's that's really sad the like the most prominent one that i can remember is that movie Klaus that was on Netflix a few years yep. ago. It's a Christmas movie. It's very so charming. Good. It's I, very good. I would say in the Western world. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, in the, yes. Anime in the, is still alive and kicking, baby. It's, right. well, well, but you say that, but also, like, they're branching out into CG now. Absolutely. Like, like Studio Ghibli, like, made that apparently not very good Earwig and the Witch movie, yeah. which what? looks... There's that Lupin the Third CG movie. Like they're yeah. they're experimenting with it now. It's fascinating. And it's really oh, yeah. interesting. I mean, yeah, everything's everywhere. But all I want in two D animation though is like this Wicked movie. Like Wicked would be so good. As an this is film. this is my <laughs> take. This is my take because I mean we know that John Chu, John M Chu, who directed In the Heights, is directing the Wicked movie. Um, Great yeah, director. I think you're absolutely right, Gabby. And I, I think I, we actually talked about this. I think a few weeks ago. I think ago. so because you, me, and Zach Barr all get really excited by this concept all the time. But yes, go go go. Let's yeah, just, no, it's like it go. is because Wicked, which is uh, the songs are written by Stephen Schwartz who 
would also do stuff for Disney, as we'll talk about in this series. Like, mm-hmm. that movie, that musical, rather, Wicked, is so indebted to the Disney musical formula. Oh, yeah. Like, it is, it is a Disney animated musical in everything except it being a Disney animated musical. So it's exactly. like, it just, it would make so much sense it for them to... It uses that storytelling language, like, completely. Yes. You know? yeah. So it's just, yeah. So I think it is, like, that is the ideal way to make the film version of uh-huh. that show uh and they're not gonna do it so nope. Damn shame. <laughs> uh, what can you do also i like that uh in the whole house um everyone is uh, all the humans have like become these household objects and there's also a footstool that is a dog <laughs> so that's nice yeah. too i guess um I, nothing yeah. has changed for that fella he has no sense say- of consciousness <laughs> They did say all its inhabitants. So like, sure, that, so go. that includes the dog. I wonder what the rats turned into that were living in the kitchen. Um, uh, but <laughs> this is true. But so Beast has this magic mirror. Uh, we gotta wrap it up. My goodness. So Beast has a magic mirror. <laughs> uh, he uh, and Belle is like worried about the father because he's, he's like about to be taken away. Um, so the Beast is like, all right, well, you can go. You got to save your father. And it's very noble. And it's like this act of true love. But clearly the love isn't returned yet because he's still a beast so it's like oh no i guess she didn't really love me but i'm happy to help her out because i love her um Uh, i know it's very movie's not over yet so we can't be done (laughs) curse can't be broken (laughs) um and then yeah then we get that iconic line of like oh he's not a monster you are and then gaston like like the fucking like asshole he is is like the beast will come after your children he'll 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 take he'll take everything he'll he'll eat your bones he'll grind your bones to make his bread what uh, a perfect paraphrase yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well um, okay but also like this is his vi- like real true villain song like it comes yes when, yes when bell rejects him the second time after this attempt at coercion and he's like well fine i'll kill the thing that you think you love so that then you're totally free to marry me then because that's obviously the obstacle like again it's about his rejection and his perceived shame at being rejected by a woman like oh yeah and then of course this big ass song happens and for a man who doesn't read he quotes Macbeth. He does. He says, yes. he says, he says, screw, I, was I know, he says, screw your courage to the sticking it. place. Whatever. I love it. Maybe they just perform it in that town a lot. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. watching live theater might've been like going to, the, I mean, it probably was going to the movies at that time. Exactly. That yeah. probably better um, entertainment than reading a book. Right? I will say <laughs> maybe he's just familiar with how crossbows work. And he didn't even know he was quoting Shakespeare. <laughs> I do like, there's blood. one line, which, the the scansion sort of the rhythm is weird it's the we don't like what we don't understand in fantasy it's like yes. the way that that works with the melody is very odd it's so good <laughs> but it's a great it's lyric so um but then you get this lovely moment where like all the townspeople are barging into the castle and the household objects retaliate and they fight back yet cogsworth as his mad little napoleon costume like attacking people with <laughs> swords um there's that some of these people are dead uh, well, yeah i was uh, by Bran, the way Bran, i was just about to say there's that moment where the dresser jumps from the balcony and lands on a person <laughs> yeah, yeah that guy's dead as that hell guy is so out dead. of here lafou has severe like colon uh damage after <laughs> oh like cogsworth is moving with a pair of scissors and like he, right up his beehole oh, oh, yeah there it is 
Oh my gosh. But there, there is that one, this is the one moment that really doesn't age well for me is the transphobic moment of like the worst thing that could happen oh, to that sure. one villager yeah, yeah. that he gets dressed up like a yeah, woman. Yeah. yeah. Hey, that guy probably thought that would be the worst thing that happened to him. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fucking know. asshole. She was trying to horror her, scare him. Uh, but yeah. then, yeah, Gaston, oh, Gaston so finds the beast. They like bat- duke it out on the roof. Um, Again, beautiful piece of animation. You got the beast holding Gaston out, like about to drop him to <sighs> death. And just the throat. way his face moves into just <sighs> that like sympathetic, like it's yeah. beautiful. It's just And the rain like dripping on his fur yeah. and on Gaston's face. And yes, the most human thing, those eyes, yeah. those eyes. Oh. I mean that's yeah, how so also yeah. that shot that to me is like should be the poster maybe of bell in the light with his giant hand like oh, on her face sure. it's like right before he gets hit and it's the most it's like the best animated she looks in the whole sure, movie yeah. um but like that image is just like whoa and there's like the single tear coming down oh. her cheek oh man yeah. talk Beautiful. about intimacy like direction that's it <laughs> but then yeah he he stabs him in the back he trips and falls to his death but sure. then, yeah, in this, in his final like quote unquote dying moments uh, for the beast, the bell is like, "I love you," and then oh. we get this again. Just this transformation music is just like this, the, the instrumentation and just the mm-hmm. tune itself, and just him floating up in the air and like just the oh. way his, his, the animation of him just turning into a human. And the lights oh. coming out of his yeah, magical, oh, so cool. magical. Oh um, and I think I prefer. I think he's hotter as the beast. I'm sorry. I think the beast is hotter than. I'm Adam. fine with either baby. Okay, great. Both are hot. Both are hot. And then, They're the same person. And then everyone, <laughs> and then everyone turns back into humans, and they have one more final reprise of of Beauty and the Beast. Uh, uh, it's a masterpiece. It's a great movie. Uh, that's it. It's wonderful. Cut prank. Go to bed. Yes. Yeah, it's so, over. I love it. So what happened? So, so yeah, Frank Rich calls it the best Broadway score of 1991. Every, and so as this thing comes out, everyone's already like, this should be a musical. This thing, this thing's yeah. great. It should be a musical. And I, Hi. and initially like Eisner and Katzenberg were actually like, like, we don't know. Like we're not in that game. Like that thing's like really risky. Like we don't know if it'll work. They get nominated for best picture. And then like, all right, well, I guess we're going to do this now. <laughs> like, no, like it's, that's the it's, kind of security you need. Honestly, yeah. like as soon as you get a fucking best picture nomination, you're like, all right, I think we'll, I we can sell this. I think we can do this. Um, yeah. but it's interesting because like they are like initially like, I think they because obviously uh, we're gonna get into this literally with our next episode on the Lion King. But I think with Ooh. their first Broadway outing, I think they're like really scared. I think they're really really sort yeah. of ang- so. Eisner, I believe, from what I remember, Eisner and Kat, maybe just Eisner, but I also think Katzenberg, pretty much have, like, full creative control of the show. They're, like, pretty much, they're running it, like, like, clockwork, to use a pun. Uh, but, like, they're just, like, so they hire this guy, uh, Robert Jess Roth, um, who I just want to note, uh, is an asshole. Uh, is an asshole. He, 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 he should never have come up in the news again, but he came up in the news, like, texting someone about, like, wasn't it him, like, messaging was, Scott Rudin about, like... Yeah, 
He was saying, thank, thank you for getting that awful woman to quit theater in, in, in reference to Karen Olivo's um, message about quitting Moulin Rouge oh and, and not being in things that Scott Rudin um, has Yeah, so, produced, uh, so. Robert Jesseroth, who just came out in support of Scott Rudin, has now been <laughs> removed from any future productions of Beauty and the Beast. Uh, <laughs> good riddance. But, but he was a guy who, was, who directed a bunch of live shows at the Disney theater parks and so they were like they didn't want to bring in like an established director because they were like we don't want to we don't want someone who has a vision to direct this thing yeah, we just want we just want someone who knows again literally how to put a theme park show up um yeah and which i have seen the beauty and the beast theme park show several times throughout sure. my life yes and it's and i will if you uh listen to our, our, our patreon coming soon you'll hear a lot of more thoughts on the theme parks uh is oh. it's all we'll say um but so yeah, so they bring in this guy, and I mean, that's what's so interesting about b- this first outing. Um, I mean, and that's kind of what like a lot of the initial reviews of the Broadway show were. They were just like, yeah, it's like a, it's like an extended theme park show. Because um, like mm-hmm. obviously there's, and like I know we usually just like talk about adaptation, but obviously like the design, like because of just like how MTI who licenses show works, they literally have like a costume network of like, if you want to like borrow or rent costumes for this show. And the costumes are usually based on that an original Broadway interpretation. Um, so I, I think it's, I don't know. I feel like it's important to talk about some of the production stuff. Cause yeah, like they get Linda Wolverton who wrote the script for the film. Um, Thank God they did. Yeah, I know. And, and like, it's, I would say it's, like, pretty much, like, 90% to 100%, like, the original script. It's almost just, like, a director's cut of the original movie. Like, that it's, there aren't, right. there aren't like, a lot of, like, changes. It's really just, like, stuff that's put in to pad it out to a two-and-a-half-hour runtime. But I wouldn't say it's just padding, though. Sure, because, oh, no, like, sure, go ahead. Just because, like, the the depth that she was able to explore more with the Beast, like, almost being on the verge of suicidal ideation in some sure. moments, like, that desperation was able to be expounded upon, the the search for home and how, how does this translate into relationship. But, like, I think that that was a really great way of expanding upon that. Like, and also just taking Gaston's... Uh, danger even further yeah. like i feel like they, like the script changes were really nice even and and the the fucking all the, all the servants all of them like uh there's more detail to why they are like this or what yeah. it is like to be them in this moment well, so like I, what's interesting yeah. on especially that that final note is yeah so they have this song now in act two human again, human again. which was written for the movie uh yes. and it was but it was cut uh, so they were able to add it back in for the stage show. And then they actually animated a sequence for it. And I think there are like yes. special edition, like versions of the film where for the 2002 release. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh. I know. Right. It's wild. Um, but no. So, and I, so I, I think you're absolutely right, Gabby. And to sort of uh, uh, edits or uh, uh, amend my previous comments. What I, I meant, like everything yeah i think it's it is the movie but then there's stuff that is expounded upon like there there isn't like stuff that is like majorly changed like altered i suppose it's really just like yeah like sort of 
putting in more and yeah sort of like yeah giving more depth to these characters and giving more giving maurice a song he needs a song the dad needs needs to sing a song perfect daddy daughter song that song is like thank you for that (laughs) and uh, and also they give us more context to gaston's relationship with the silly girls and basically say that he's been sleeping with them this whole time and he plans on continuing sleeping with them after he's married so <laughs> As uh, if he wasn't the worst enough, let's make him the worst some more. <laughs> it's true. Um, but yeah, so Howard Ashman uh, passed away by the time that this uh, adaptation came around. So they brought in Tim Rice to act as lyricist for a lot of these new songs. Uh, is this the first time we've talked about Tim Rice? It is. I think it, it is. is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so, wow. so Tim Rice. Uh, Welcome, Tim. Welcome, Tim. We're gonna talk about you a few. We're gonna <laughs> talk about you a few times. Uh, next episode, actually, on the Lion King episode. Uh, yeah. But obviously, he kind of like claimed to fame uh, are his Andrew Lloyd Webber collaborations, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Joseph and Jesus, the two J's. Joseph and Jesus, and and Avita, right? Did he write Avita? I think he did. I think he wrote the lyrics for Avita yeah, too. Um, Wild, wild, wild! A fascinating career that guy, right? I feel like he's just—he's just everywhere. I feel like he's got his 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 lyrical hands in just like so many different parts. Uh, Living up to his last name of Rice and being both cooked in pots and a staple for a lot of meals in different cultures. I suppose. Look at you! Look <laughs> at you go! Um, I'm here for connections. And white. And white. Oh, and white. <laughs> <laughs> There you um, are, Brian. Yeah, uh, <laughs> other, other Tim Rice credits. Uh, we got, yeah, so he did do Evita. Um, he wrote the lyrics for Chess. Hey! He, he, I like that he's show. He's the arbiter. He knew the score, Tim Rice. He did. Uh, he wrote uh, Lion King. He wrote lyrics for Aida. Uh, yeah. He... Another Disney stage show, That's right? That's a pretty meh from me. Yeah, yeah. it's a pretty meh from you. There's a musical version of From Here to Eternity... That I uh-huh. guess we're gonna have to cover. I didn't even realize that was a thing. All right, uh, good to know. Um, yep. That's fun. Uh, yeah. So Tim Rice, we're talking about him. His lyrics are fine. I think he's an o- for this show especially. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say of the new songs, and I'd love to hear other folks' thoughts. Uh, of sure. the new songs, my favorite is "If I Can't Love Her." The beat, yes. the, the beat song that closes yes. the end of Act yeah. One, just a really gorgeous song. And like, that's the thing, so he doesn't good. really get solos in the. Right. No. He doesn't. He, actually, doesn't, yeah, he doesn't have a solo in the original film. He doesn't sing in no. the original film. He sings in Not something there. Oh yeah, you're oh, right. Yes, yes, yes. I lied. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Horrible, horrible. He has lie. about four lines. <laughs> but yeah, like in that, for as much as he is just a memorable character and just a wonderful character in that movie, yes, he does not actually have a song in the film. So it's nice right. for him to not only get songs in this one, very nice songs. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. like uh, like no matter what is again, like all the other songs are like nice. Home is a nice song too that Belle sings that like once she's imprisoned. Yeah. Um, another fascinating thing about this show so it ran on broadway for 13 years a long time good yeah. on it yes um it and obviously you know it's one of those shows that like didn't have a lot of celebrities come in because why would you it's beauty and the beast that is the brand you don't really need yeah. to bring folks in to expand upon the brand of the show but tony braxton came in to play bell and in the negotiations for like her to play this role, she's like, I want another song. I would love to have another song 
in the second act. Because, I mean, to be fair, what? to be fair, there aren't a lot of Belle songs in the second act. Like, her musically, Belle's character is kind of, like, banked up in act one. And she yeah. doesn't have a lot of musical moments in the second act. So Tony Braxton, like, in negotiations to do the show, said she would love to have them write a song for her for act two. And they did. And it's called A Change In Me. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes. And it's the song that she sings when she comes back from the castle. And she's like, you know, he's hanging out with that beast for, for however long I stayed with him. There really is a change in me, isn't there? Uh, and that's what the song is. Um, is that an option in the MTI or is that official in the MTI? What a question. I think it's official. Okay. Don't, don't remember, quote me. Don't quote me. I but I think I it's official. Quote you. I've worked on two productions. So Beauty and the Beast is one of the shows that I've choreographed the most as a fight choreographer. How many times? Um, uh, twice. Oh, Romeo sure. and Juliet has is tops. Romeo and Juliet I've done four times sure. now. But then it's Beauty and the Beast and Hamlet tied as twice. Gotcha. Um, and so yeah, I do remember hearing them. I remember those words change in me. Um, <laughs> yeah. and I guess I wasn't paying attention during the song, and I'm like, okay, great. Um, but I don't have to sit around for high school productions all the time. I just come in and do my thing and leave, and then come yep. see the show eventually, so I don't learn all the music, well, you know. But speak, speaking <laughs> of high school productions, uh, oh, oh, oh boy, so Brian knows exactly where this is going. Because uh, oh I woke is up this another Disney I, Plus thing. Well, no, no, <laughs> I, I woke up this morning to a flurry of texts from our wonderful producer and editor Brian Moorhead. Um, because I mean, <laughs> this is a this is a show which. So obviously, the biggest issue with like staging this show is like it is so indebted to being an animated film. You have a character yes. who is a beast. You have characters who are talking household objects. So the big question yeah. is, how do you get that on stage? And so yeah, they kind of like finagle that with the household objects, where they're like they're turning into the candelabra. They're turning into the clock so they can be this sort of weird halfway point and and i do like the designs for them they're like they're very fun they're very creative they're not just like people in theme park outfits there's a little yeah, bit Tony of Tony award-winning design exactly there's a little yeah. it's a little bit of class to the affair and the beat and they used they had like a magician that was um contracted for some of the effects but yeah. also like helped with some of the costume designs to make them make the people kind of disappear exactly know? yeah um so yeah, uh, and you are you are absolutely right, Gabby. We'll actually get to Tony Awards in a second. Um, actually, Sorry. no, 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 you're so good. After I'm here to disrupt <laughs> as well. You <laughs> should, as, as if there's much of a schedule of this thing. <laughs> nah, no, Benson, we're running behind. So <laughs> we're, we're Lucy oh, Goosey. I know, bro. Thank you. It's Beauty and the Beast. We knew this one at least for this yeah, one. Yeah, my God. Yeah, because that, that's the thing, right? It's like to talk from about. yeah, like from screen to stage. It is very much like again. This was their first Broadway outing. They wanted it to. To be as safe as possible uh and it yeah. worked and it worked in their favor but yeah so the but we got to talk about the beast so the beast is Let's. like on stage like yeah like obviously they had they had the disney money they were able to make like a nice beastie costume for terrence man who originated mm -hmm. the role um I also read a thing where, like, as the as they were in previews in Houston or right before they did the out of town tryout in Houston, they Eisner really wanted it. To, they were like, "Don't no, make it look like the movie. We want the beast to look like the movie wow. beast. That's what people come here for." And then they did a like a producer's run or like a like a, a stumble through or something without costumes and tech. 
And that was some. That was finally when Eisner and them were like, "Oh no, this will be fine. We don't yeah. have to make him look like a, a mascot for the Chicago Bulls." You <laughs> know? Trust your actors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. It's a oh god, but you know that's Broadway. What happens when yeah, MTI has the rights for this show? <laughs> so it's <laughs> been uh, it's been licensed out, so anyone can do it. So it's mm-hmm. I th- it, there's a, there's an actual like Tumblr dedicated to this, right? <gasps> yes, mm-hmm. good. Um, so and glad. we'll we'll have to post a link to it on our social media when when the time comes when this episode drops. But yes. I mean it's it's fascinating the some of the. Some of the things we get, some of the things we got. There's one that, I mean, it looks like he's a baboon. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, the guy in the background is so scary. He has like a blue face and like (laughs) red lips. Oh, thank you. No, thanks. I don't um, like it. We got uh, this, so one is, this one is this one is very scary. Where did his eyes this go? This one, dude, the flathead guy is my <laughs> favorite. <one. laughs> <laughs> that one is just monstrous. Um, and then, this one is just like not even trying. I love oh, that guy. I mean, that was yeah. You know what he looks like? He looks like the guy from um, Legally Blonde. That's like the one who doesn't talk very much and tries to flirt yeah. with girls. That's, that's what he looks like. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yes. gosh, that's funny. So a little too tight. David Kid- to be David Kidney is that character? Yes. David Kidney. David yes, Kidney. He course. looks like David Kidney. <laughs> sure does. Uh, uh, yes. We love David mm-hmm. Kidney. Um, but yeah, so very strange. It's it's. I don't know. I'd be curious to see folks. I don't know. Experiment with like puppetry for the beast. I think yeah. that would be cool. Yeah. Like I feel like well, it's you have options. I think right. Well, for mm-hmm. the full production, too, because, like, I think they used some weird, terrifying animatronic for Chip during the L.A. production that I watched, where there was a cross that Mrs. Potts had where she wasn't pushing the cart with the child hidden in the cart, where oh. she was just holding the the thing, and it was an animatronic face that was talking to her. Whoa. It was Interesting. terrifying. Well, so, similar <laughs> to this, so I guess now we have to talk about, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say about Beauty and the Beast, the stage show. It's the movie. Oh, I have a lot to say. Oh, you do? <laughs> oh, let's just, oh, yeah. yeah. But we can keep going. You, Ben, you're on a launch. Take off. Take off, <laughs> well, I, was, I don't know. I feel it's just the movie on stage, but I'd love to, no, Gabby, I, Gabby, what, what else do you have to say about this show? Well, I think that, well, there's some, uh, so first of all, the stage musical actually passes Bechdel test compared to the movie itself. So like, that's an improvement. It's a very short Bechdel, Bechdel test. Sure. Pass. If the listeners are not familiar with the Bechdel test, it's, uh, uh, you know, created by Alison Bechdel and her friends on whether or not, you know, this is inclusive of women in some way. Are there two named female characters who talk to each other about mm-hmm. something other than a man? And then there's an additional rule that some people add on for more than a minute or for a, mo- for a minute. And it's only when the wardrobe is talking about um, clothing with Belle. Oh, but, wow. But it's sure. still, at least it still passes. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, That's something. It's something. Also, this musical, this stage musical, loves dance breaks. Like, oh, yeah. a little too much. Like, I don't understand. Too long. Too sure. Long. As always. Too long. Too long. I will never understand the dance break and Gaston. Like, I guess it's cute for them to cheers those mugs together in that rhythmic way. But, like, (laughs) think about the 
content of that song. Like, he's being a total monster, and you're going to put in a jaunty little soft shoe section? Like, what the fuck is that about? That's a choice, friends. That's a choice. Too long. It's, again, there's that leaning into the the Broadway musical of it all, right? Like, they're just like, this is the medium. Let's just fucking, like, push it as far as we can. Uh, and yeah, I, I I would agree it is too long. Um, yeah. we got I I do have to say because I feel like we it has to come up at some point in this episode. Uh, this is going to be a recurring segment. Uh, oh. on on this Ooh. season of movie the musical. Uh, maybe we'll get us. Maybe I'll do like a drop or something to get us into yeah. it every time. Uh, do it, do it, do it. Wait, what's the segment called first? <laughs> uh, welcome to the segment called. Why the fuck did they make a live-action version of this? Uh, <laughs> Why the fuck did they make a live-action version of this? <laughs> so, the, so the, li- okay, so- so the, the live-action version of Beauty and the Beast, uh, directed by Bill Condon, uh, is a, a, a very bad movie. It is an actively bad movie. Um, I don't like it. Um, Danielle, aren't there more new songs? So, okay, 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 okay. Even more new songs. Okay. Okay, first off, Danielle, my wife, if you're listening, I'm sorry, I don't like this movie. (laughs) Um, Either way, uh, so... Yes, that's the that's the inexplicable thing about I mean all of these live action Disney movies, but I feel especially this one. Like you have a stage show with very good new songs, and then you write different versions, worse versions of those songs for the live action remakes. And 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 they didn't hire Wolverson back. I like know. they didn't hire. Oh. If they had her back instead of the three men that they added on to it's write the that fuck, adaptation, it's the perks of a wallflower, guys. That they and they're not good right. because what they ended up doing, right, is instead of letting this natural relationship grow between like their kindnesses and understanding and listening to each other, they. They shoehorned in a story of trauma bonding about these oh two God. losing their mothers. Like, what the fuck Martha. is that? <laughs> Martha. Save and the plague. Martha. Let's talk about the plague for a second. I know. Why? The plague. The plague <laughs> is in this movie. Yeah, like, um, there's also like this weird like. I will never watch this film. There's this, don't, we- there's don't. this weird like curse on the town where like everyone has amnesia, and that's why they for- they, forgot. they forgot that the prince exists. <laughs> Weird thing about like them them turn the household objects once they turn into like the candelabra and stuff they'll like they'll lose I don't they, it's so weird if they'll lose like any sense of consciousness there's yeah. uh I don't know there's the beast is a jerk in the movie he's like actively like negging a bell it's like very bad um, yeah versus great. like in the original beast and the beast in the musical like his his antagonism comes from his insecurities yeah. versus like in this newest version, he's just a jerk to be a jerk. And that's not the point of that character. Like you've totally missed the point of you're turning him into a jerk. And, uh, oh, there's the, and also the fucking like queer baiting where they're like, Oh yeah. LeFou, <gasps> LeFou is gay now. And it's like, yeah, he, he, oh he slow dances with a, a man for three frames at the end of the movie. Yeah. Right. That doesn't do anything. You have Lumiere right there. Like you have bisexual icon Lumiere right there. True. Make him act. Actually, make out with Ian McKellen. Like that's what we—that's what we're here to see. If you're going to cast Ian McGregor, Ian, Ian McKellen, McKellen we yeah, want Ian McKellen is yes. Cogsworth, Brian. Yes. Wow. I did 
not have a clue. Um, I bring this. I bring this up uh, first off because yeah, this will be a recurring segment. Is this the nothing burger? Is oh this no! It? Oh no! Robert, uh, the oh. no, 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 no. The uh, Robert Jess Roth, who directed the show, is the nothing burger. He is. Oh, yes, he is. He is the nothing yeah, burger um, that they brought on to quote unquote direct this musical. Um, I only bring this. Up, I bring up the live action as well because I believe they are testing out. A ver- like a touring version. I think they've actually done the cruise versions of this show where the household objects more resemble the ones from the movie. So they're like puppets that look like the ones from the movie, which I say, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. So they're not even being creative. Like no. they're not even being artistically creative. No. Like Julie Taymor was with the Lion King. They're just pulling a finding Nemo theme park musical and turning them into literalizations. Ew, 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 ew. This is wrong. Disney. Hello. Hi, I'm an artist. I'm in Chicago. I know my opinion doesn't matter to you, but like, don't do Correct. it. <laughs> Don't do it. Gabby's right. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, awards, awards. So this uh, musical, um, you know, obviously it made a lot of money, big commercial success. Um, it uh, it was nominated for uh, a bunch of awards. Um, Several, nine. It won only one of them for best costumes. Um, yep. Best musical that year. The nominees were Beauty and the Beast, which of course didn't win. Uh, Cyrano the Musical. <laughs> sure. Um, a musical called A Grand Night for Singing, which is just like, it's a uh-huh. Rodgers and Hammerstein review. Um, and the winner, a future episode on, uh, on this podcast, Passion. 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 Oh, Steven yeah. Sondheim and James Lapine's Passion. That. Yeah, it's it's based yeah. on an Italian film. We're gonna cover it. Yeah. Um but yeah, so yeah, so obviously Passion won score and book. Um Donna Murphy won Best Leading Actress, uh beating Susan Egan. Um yeah, Passion, a good shot. And this actually Audra McDonald won uh featured actress in a musical. She was in Carousel this year. Carousel. Uh, yeah. Wow. I know. Uh, you can listen to our thoughts on Carousel on the Patreon if you want. Uh, plug in that thing right there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think, again, like I sort of alluded to, the music, I think just this musical, the movie, the movie's great. I think the movie is sort of just like a really perfect object. I think it's just really wonderful in everything it's movie. doing. Um, great Not movie. Yes. Um, the original movie. Yes, the ori- yes. Yeah, yeah, the original 1991 <laughs> film. Yes. Listen, listen. Cogsworth says in almost every iteration of this, if it ain't Baroque, don't fix it. So why <laughs> did they try to change it for this nothing burger of a sequel? Good remake? questions, it's Gabby. Um, yeah, any, any final, questions. Gabby, any final sort of thoughts or closure, if anything, on uh, the musical of Beauty and the Beast? Yeah, I mean, well, I can talk about, just like, I can talk about when I saw it in, in Christmas time of 1997. Please. And how I saw Patrick Page as Lumiere. Oh, great, um, good. And that was the same tour where he met Mindy Page Davis of Trading Spaces fame. Oh. Uh, and they are now married. All um, right, all right. Yeah, and I, I just, Beauty and the Beast, for me, like, whether it's the musical or the movie, like it just has lots of ties in my life. I was hugely influenced by Belle and the story as a person and 
it's I know it's my father's favorite <laughs> Disney movie. Um, and my little sister, in fact, we nickname her Danny Bell as well. Aww. So like, yeah, it's very cute. So this means a lot to me. The musical itself is it's fine. It's a delight. We need to cut those dance sequences sure. down. They're <laughs> too long. <laughs> They're too long. You have you have guests on, and you have be our guest, and you have human again. Like you have plenty of dance numbers. Yeah. Like chop it down. It's um, yeah. It's so yeah. Like I think you're absolutely right. Too long. Cut it down. Yeah. But yeah, I mean it. It did exactly what they wanted to do. It got it got Disney yeah. on Broadway. Um, where yep. would that lead? <laughs> well. In a very interesting direction that we'll talk about next episode. <laughs> Straight to 9-11, folks. Whoa! <laughs> That's right, Whoa, leads. what a leap. <laughs> uh, we're not there yet. We gotta, we gotta make a pit stop in 1998, 97. Uh, yeah, and there. talk about uh, uh, Lion King. Uh, yeah. Where where direct adaptation of the movie uh, was not the instructions that they followed. Um, right. More on that next week. Uh, unless, Gabby, you have some thoughts on that before. I just I just have one more fun fact, Please. which is um, the guy who played Beast on that tour, what's his name? Fred Inkley. He won the Jeff Award that year for his performance. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> Good for you. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeffy. I, you know? Thanks, Joseph Jefferson. Give them the awards. That's what they need. Yeah, we Chicago. should definitely be nominating touring <laughs> companies of Beauty and the Beast for Best Actor. God. That's it. What a, that's, that's, what, a lovely, what, a, what a lovely moment we live in. Uh, but yeah, so we'll, we'll continue this uh, next week. But before we go... Gabby Labaka, at the end of every episode of Movie the Musical, including these Disney ones, uh, we ask our guest a very important question. So, Gabby, <laughs> if you could adapt any movie into a musical that has not been adapted already, which movie would you choose? Well, I have two, so I'm going to keep one of them hostage so you'll bring me on this oh, show yeah. again. Great. Good, um, Good but... strategy. <laughs> um, but the first one is Stranger Than Fiction. Cool. Okay. okay. Uh, expound <laughs> upon that. Um, so Stranger Than Fiction, if you aren't aware of this movie, was a Will Ferrell movie where Emma Thompson is a novelist and Will Ferrell works for the IRS and he has like a very added, average numbers-focused life until one day he begins hearing a narration in his head and it is narrating every single thing that he is doing. It's not predicting what's going to happen. It is just stating what is happening. And he gets nervous that maybe he's developing schizophrenia or something. He tries to figure out what is happening to him. And ultimately, all the therapists say, you have schizophrenia. So he decides to talk to a novelist because it sounds like a narration. And who is played by Dustin Hoffman. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and eventually they discover that... Emma Thompson, I can't remember her character's name, I can't remember any of their names right now, is writing a novel called Death and Taxes, and that the novel will eventually result in Harold Crick is the name of the character, yep. Harold's death. Um, but Harold has fallen in love with a woman he is auditing, and now he actually has a reason to live. Um, so he needs to try to convince the author to not kill him off in the end. So that's kind of like, that's the story of Stranger Than Fiction. And I, and I think it would make a fantastic musical. It'd be interesting to sort of figure out, yeah, how to sort of like play with that meta 
fiction device and how would that would that translate to not only just a stage adaptation but a musical stage adaptation there's a lot yeah. of, there's a yeah. lot of opportunity there absolutely yeah. um I, I think so this is of course uh yeah just uh, elaborating yeah this is the 2006 film directed by mark forster uh written by zach helm um what i love about zach helm is that he wrote this film and it's say what about it what you will um it is a very creative premise and it's clearly like one of those yes. like hey this guy's clearly got good ideas um and uh makes some very interesting films and of course he followed this up by writing and directing mr Megorium's wonder emporium <laughs> Um, and uh that's all i'm gonna say on that um but i do i actually do like this film i think it is a a very nice will ferrell performance Uh, i think it's a very nice maggie gyllenhaal performance um i think and uh tony hale is in there uh for whatever reason uh as he's like uh harold's work friend who wants to go to space camp or something uh it's very sweet it's a nice film and it's a good film queen latifah's in it uh Yep, it's a it's a good time. I, I I would recommend it, and I think it's a great choice. I think it's a, I'm actually surprised it hadn't come up sooner. Yeah, well, I think too. I'm curious about like if I were to help with this adaptation in any way. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it would start off as a very straight play until he starts to hear the narration sure. and that comes in this music. Yes. Um. And so suddenly, yeah, and maybe characters sing at some point too, especially when he falls in love, because that's new, a new texture of life as well. Um. So I think that there's a lot of evocative things you can do with music and this particular story. I think that would be the best. Yeah, I think that would be the best choice. I, th- I, yeah, like using using this meta device to yeah, sort of that's the musical drive. That's the thing that sort of like moves things along. I think that would be. A wonderfully creative means of uh, figuring this out. I speaking speaking while we're on here. Speaking of meta uh, musical things, uh, I don't know if either of you have seen the new Apple TV Plus TV show no. Schmigadoon. No, I do not have Apple TV Plus, but this is the only reason why I would get it because Alan Cumming is, uh, you know, an idol yes. of mine of sorts. A brand- <laughs> I gotta say, it's a fantastic title. Yeah. <laughs> I have not seen a lick of it, but it is a A plus. Brand, do you know like about show. the show? I don't really. I know it's like musical and that. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, um, Key. Keegan, yeah, so it's Keegan Michael Keegan Michael Key and Cecily Strong play like a couple, Cecily and they're like going Strong, through like relationship right. shit, and they end up in this magical town called Schmigadoon, <sighs> and uh, it's a musical, and it is like it's a musical, and it's and Bran. I think you would appreciate who writes the songs. Uh, oh God. Okay, so the song <laughs> is the fun thing. So the songs are by Cinco Paul. Cinco Paul is uh he 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 writes the songs and he created the show with his writing partner ken dauria uh cinco and ken have written a bubble boy both (gasps) both the movie and the musical a subject (gasps) of an eventual episode of the show they also wrote the screenplays for despicable me Oh boy! And the Secret Life of Pets, among many, and the Lorax, that animated Lorax film. They are so they're owned right. by DreamWorks. They're so weird. They are so weird. What a but career! But like Schmigadoon is the, is the, is their best work. Like it is wonderful. Wow. And okay. Bran, you would appreciate this. Like it is filmed like an old school musical. 
It's okay. like it's they do that thing where it's like like so Aaron Tveit is like a Billy Bigelow character and he sings a, okay. he sings a cool song called You Can't Tame Me and like the way they film it oh, no. it's like it's it's just like a one shot of him like singing and dancing like an old school like an Oklahoma uh, kind of thing like it's okay. really clever in just like not only just like the concept but like they actually like are putting their money where their mouth is and filming it okay. and like crafting it like an old school musical. I I wish they those motherfuckers sponsored us because that show is great and I'm giving them a lot of good praise. Wow. <laughs> okay. I'll check it out. I hate the existence of Apple TV Plus yeah, as a I, thing. That but. is fair. I will say Apple TV Plus is really a quality over quantity net entity, which I do appreciate okay. about it. It's not like Netflix where they're like releasing a thing well, they're releasing like five things every yeah. week. Hour. Yes. Um. Yeah. Every hour. The, I will say. Hourly. The worst thing about <laughs> the worst thing about Schmigadoon is it ha- actually has this lovely. Every episode has like a title sequence, and they're these like hand painted like big card like cue cards. Oh, cool. Um. But uh, literally, the first card that shows up at the top of every episode is Lorne Michaels presents. Uh, <laughs> so well. that is the thing that I hate about the show. Um. That is the only demerit I'll give it. Okay. Um, either way, Stranger Than Fiction. Great answer, <laughs> Gabby. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I'll have Elton John or maybe Panic at the Disco do the music Great. just because I'm Ooh, very... Panic at the Disco. I'm very That's curious a, be interesting to hear a musical written well, by them. Well, Brandon Urie yeah. wrote Just a Simple Sponge for the SpongeBob musical. He, yes. There you go. He's, he's good. He knows what he's up to. Give him more. Um, Give him more. Gabby... Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Is there anything you would like to plug to our audiences today? Wow, so many things. Um, If you are in the Chicagoland area, my next project is Intimacy Directing Kinky Boots at Paramount. Um, Great. And then after that, I'll be Intimacy Directing and Fight Directing A Beautiful Thing at Raven Theater. And in between, I'll be playing Robin Hood in uh, Haunting of Sherwood Forest at the Morton Arboretum. if you Fun. do not reside in the Chicagoland area, you can catch groups of 10 or more people on YouTube starring the podcast's own Ben K as Adrian Donamardo. Um, it is an adaptation of Love's Labor's Lost set during the pandemic. So please be aware if you need a break from pandemic material, that's not it for you. But <laughs> <laughs> it is still very fun. We made it all through Zoom and it is available for your viewing pleasure on YouTube. You can also catch me on the podcast, um, You're On In Five, the understudy podcast, where I talk about all my epic adventures, or many of my epic adventures. <laughs> I could not all fit in one episode um, of understudying uh, plays. So that's my plug. We love it. We love, we love the plugs. Uh, thank you so much, Gabby, for being here. We'll be sure to have you back. Uh, Thank you to Brand Moorhead, as always, for producing and editing this show. Thank each and every one of you for listening. I want to thank Emily Harrington for our artwork, especially uh, for the new uh, themed artwork that she made for this miniseries. It's very cute, and I like it a lot. <laughs> uh, thank you to M. Modaf and Josh Stanley for our kick-ass theme song. If you like the show, be sure to rate us, review us, subscribe for future episodes. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Movie the Musical, and if you want to support the podcast and get some sweet bonus content, 
go to patreon.com slash movie the musical and consider becoming a monthly member as part of the Disney series August 1st we are going to be talking about the Finding Nemo theme park musical and <laughs> and the Toy Story cruise musical um oh. My and God. that's <laughs> August 1st, and then August 15th, we are, of course, talking about the movie Annette, starring Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard, that has not- Adam Driver would play the hell out of the beast. Oh, my God. He- yes. Talk about your stunt casting. Yes. Yes, this is, is true. Right uh, tune in next week uh, for <laughs> The Lion King. The adventure continues. Uh, and, and as always- um, like I don't know, just just get rid. Where's the poop? I still we, we didn't. I, I don't think we sufficiently answered the poop. So tweet at us. Tweet at us. Hashtag. Where's the poop? I am so happy to have been your guest. Keep on singing. Did I not say keep on singing? No. Damn it! Damn it! I got it though this time. Great. Right.